Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Another interesting show lined up for you this week, a little bit different from usual. Yeah, as usual, though, we'll have our Harvard Business Review tips that uh, may help our business to grow and uh, and prosper. Uh, and, of, of course, um, Christina Sikiades is not with us this week because she's over in America attending a conference over there, which we'll hear all about again in a, in a few weeks' time. So we'll have a look at making your website work for you. But right now we're going to have a chat with uh, John Woodward from Hunter Mediation Services about dealing with the dispute. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks once again for joining us. You're welcome. Well, well, we've discussed before uh, the ever-present threat to businesses in the current economic climate uh, as the threat of being caught up in a dispute. Um, what's the current thinking about how we should react to situations when we find ourselves either at risk or of a dispute or actually embroiled in a conflict with a, a customer or a contractor? Um, well, look, Julian, I, you know, I've been advocating this for years, but I, I, I think, um, really, if it's anything other than just a straight-out debt recovery matter, the, f- the first stop has got to be to go and get some legal advice. That's, 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 um, that's step number one. Um, but but aside from that, and I mean something I think that people should talk to their lawyers about is is um, thinking about uh, a bit proactively about how they might um, go about getting their dispute resolved. So so they would have several types of options there. Well, um, the sorts of things that they they I mean they've got to keep in mind is that. Depending on who the dispute's with, of course, there's a strong interest in for most business people in maintaining existing relationships either with the customer or, or with a supplier or contract, whoever it is. Um, there are lots of things that can be done these days, short of the drastic remedy of taking people taking someone to court, or even if someone has taken them to court, some proactive things that they can do to to intervene in the matter in it with a view to trying to get the thing settled without um, without having a, a full on contest in uh, in a court. People um, often think that magistrates or judges and judges have, have got some kind of a crystal ball in, that they can look into and see who's right and who's wrong, and all they've got to do is go to court and, and um, you know that that they'll that they'll um, Right, they'll be vindicated and, and the right will prevail and they'll have their day and everything will be fine. But it, it's, it's not, it's very, very rarely as clear-cut as that. I mean, you get two different sides to a dispute. They both come along to court. They both have... And they both think they're plausible, right. ...plausible cases. They've both got very strong, you know, strongly held beliefs in their own case. And um, they come along and, and what they really do when they... Um, put a matter before the court is to delegate the decision-making process to a complete stranger mm. who really, in many respects, is in no better, certainly no better position than they are to, to work through the issues and find out, you know, um, what can be done so that they can both walk away with something in hand and um, with uh, some respect and without loss of credibility and without the public thing. I mean... Um, I, I'm a strong advocate of, of alternative dispute resolution, always have been, and um, I'm a strong advocate of mediation. In fact, I now am a mediator. Mm. But, but what I'm saying is that, is that um, generally speaking, in all but very serious matters, um, people, are, people who are 
find themselves involved in those sorts of things are, are, are in the best position to think of an answer um, that is uh, respectable and, and uh, involves some compromise, no doubt, but, but uh, it, it allows them to, um, to, to manage the thing themselves and to come up with a solution that they can live with and that is not going to be all over the front pages of, of tomorrow's paper and uh, will also um, save the kinds of things that can happen um, if, if um, they go to court and lose control of, of the dispute. So, I was just in preparation for our talk today, um, had a look at the uh, Supreme Court uh, Court of Appeal website, and you've just got to go to that website to see the sorts of things that can happen if you take your business dispute off to the court. I was looking at a case that was decided um, just in, in April uh, last month in the Court of Appeal, a case called Workplace Safety Australia v Simple OHS Solutions Proprietary Limited. A simple dispute um, over a sum of about $200,000. And, um, and uh, it was a dispute about... Uh, um, a dispute about an agreement between two companies, a franchise agreement, where um, both parties uh, misunderstood exactly the, what you know what the nature Terms, of the, yeah. the problem was. They both ended up at court. There was a winner. There was a loser. The loser was so incensed that they went off the Supreme Court to the Court of Appeal. Now, by the time the Court of Appeal got round to deciding that, um, both parties would have been pretty unhappy because the case. Uh, took just on uh, three years from yeah. the commencement of the dispute until the completion. So there was a lot of delay in getting it finalised. And um, would have uh, cost in excess of two hundred thousand. There's the untold expense on both sides. Yeah, in excess of that two hundred thousand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you know, I, I suppose the message that I'm I'm um, wanting to give to listeners today is that they just should think a bit proactively, think outside the square when it comes to trying to resolve disputes that are going to take them away from uh, what they do best, yeah. you know, run their own business. I, I would imagine that in your role as a mediator, you, you don't take the role like a judge would. You, you're obviously asking questions which will lead people to make their own minds up. That's, that's exactly the position. It's really an interesting thing because one of the things that I also do um, is act as an arbitrator. And I often you, you sit there in the court and you, both parties come along to the dispute and, and that, that is a determinative role mm. where you're delegated, um, you know, you hear the case on behalf of the court and, and, and impose a solution. Um, and I often it, it often um, amazes me to think that these people who are complete strangers come along and ask me to make a decision for them. Mm. In circumstances where, as a mediator, I could have um, facilitated a discussion between them, um, which would uh, just help them to have the issues focused, um, you know, in their at, to their attention, and and, uh, and and invariably they come up with a right solution, solution. That, that, that they can live with. It might not be something a court would impose. Um, but it's a, a solution that both parties can live with, and and it uh, works out to their to their benefit. And as and as you say, the real goal is to resolve it as quickly and as uh, cost effectively as you can. Absolutely. And and, and try and maintain the uh, the relationships for perhaps future use. Well, that's that's something that's usually possible. 
and some of the you'd be surprised actually at some of the inventive um, innovative solutions that people come up with because you see they're not bound to do just what the court would do mm. you know they they can agree on anything that they like and their agreement can be if, if there's a bit of a lack of trust there or they want to uh, ensure that they don't make mistakes again in the future they can reduce it all to writing in you know they're mm. the mediation and and they they come away with a legally binding document um, and um, they've got a solution that they've that they can they own because they they designed yeah great and um, and 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 they can do it very quickly uh, pretty inexpensively and they then they, they get back to business and uh, they don't have to be worried about having litigation hanging over their head for months and years into the future right well thanks for your time again John um, that's all right we'll have a chat with you again another time maybe we can look Terrific. at some of these uh, mediation results that come out. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. John Woodward there from Hunter Mediation Services. It's an interesting process, isn't it? We often think the courts can resolve our issue without really thinking, as as John said there, a complete stranger is going to sit there and make a decision for us. And maybe we're better off resolving our own. And it's just coming up to 25 minutes past one. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. So in place of our normal innovation one, I thought I'd have a quick chat about uh, websites and creating a positive first impression. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, think, oh, I'll attract people to my business, all I've got to do is stick up a website and people will pour in the door. And I know there is the well-known saying from Field of Dreams, build it and they will come. But unfortunately, putting a website up is not necessarily a guarantee that they will come. They may come. And I have uh, been doing a lot of training in this area at the moment. And uh, from investigation, I would say that somewhere around 70% of websites really don't work that well because they break so many of the rules. Remember that when people land on the first page, maybe the home page, maybe on a landing page somewhere else, They've got about seven seconds for people to make up their mind whether they want to stay or go. And we really have to attract people's attention, whether it be the, the clear layout or whether it be some words that will attract people to uh, move on to the next step. Really, we've all got the solution to somebody's problem. We need to be telling them that solution is there waiting for them and click here. So there are some key points that people need to consider and those headlines are so important and of course the headlines need to contain keywords because that helps you in Google. But here's some points that might help with building your website. Visually appealing, first impressions keep your visitor on your site. Easy navigation so your visitor can find what they're looking for quickly. Well written, informative content. It's an old principle that we've used for many years in marketing the ADA principle, attention, interest, desire, action. You have to grab people's attention, build their interest and desire, and then have that call to action. And that call to action needs to appear on that page that they're looking at. So they don't want to go scrolling down looking for actions and things they need to take. They need to have that call to action right away. 
relevant keywords on every page, very, very important for a search engine optimization. Fast loading images if the photos take forever to download. People are not interested in, in staying on that page. Images with uh, all tag and descriptions that are relevant to keywords. Often uh, people upload images onto the uh, onto their website, and they've got weird numbers and and so forth, de- determining what, what what they're about. Instead of changing to a simple keyword catchphrase, you need to optimize it for uh, search engines. You need a way for your visitor to contact you. Amazing how many websites don't really have any good contact information. And uh, people don't trust those sorts of websites. Internal and uh, internal links, inbound links and outbound links. And, of course, you need to be making sure that uh, you're looking at all the uh, uh, statistics of your website to see how you can upgrade it. And recently, Google has said that they're going to give you preference if your website is mobile-friendly and you can go on to Google and actually test whether your website is mobile-friendly or not. And that's another way it's going to help you in your search engine ranking. And just a reminder that uh, the the Hunter Region VEC does have the um, Digital Enterprise Program running in various locations here in the in the Hunter area. It's a government-funded program, so it's free. It's a series of workshops plus one-on-one consultations, um, a great way to get onto the Internet. There's one running next Monday afternoon at Cameron Park. But if you want more information, go to the Switched On Hunter website, which is switchedonhunter.com.au, and there's plenty of information there about the workshops. Well, time for a couple of our quick uh, Harvard Business Review tips. This one here is make quick, direct feedback as part of your routine. Many managers don't give effective feedback because they're simply pressed for time. There are three ways to make this easier for you and your employee. First of all, create a standard way in. Reduce the time you spend mulling over each conversation by establishing a simple, routinized way to open feedback discussions. I'm going to give you some feedback. Or, are you open to my coaching on this? Gets immediate attention and sets the right tone. Secondly, be blunt. If you've ever said, maybe you could, or asked an employee to think about a performance issue, you're likely not being blunt enough. Be honest, sincere and personal while addressing the issue head on. And thirdly, ask him or her to play it back. To avoid having the same conversation again and again, make sure your employee can clearly explain what he or she needs to do to change or do next. That's an interesting little comment. This one here, though, simple meditation can make you a better leader. You can't be a good leader without self-awareness. Knowing who you are lets you better understand what you need most from other people. One of the simplest and most effective ways to develop it is to meditate. Yes, meditate. Meditation improves your moment-by-moment awareness by having you focus strongly on inhaling and exhaling. But it doesn't need to be formal or ritualistic. Greater clarity can also come from regular moments of pausing and reflecting. Try to gain a greater awareness by finding a few seconds to focus on your breathing, maybe before you sleep or when you're doing mundane tasks, and asking yourself, what am I trying to achieve? What am I doing that is working? 
What am I doing that is slowing me down? And what can I do to change? Some interesting comments there. Well, thank you for your uh, attention in the past half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy favourites, easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have a chat with Stephen Markey from Markey Insurance, and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Henry Ford once said, obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal.